Good morning, church. Hey, thanks for being here today. What a joy it is every first day of the week to come together and celebrate Jesus Christ as the family of God. After all, he has done everything for us and blessed us in so many different ways, hasn't he? Uh, we live our lives every single day in worship to Him, uh, not just the first day of the week, but it is exciting to come together on a Sunday as the family of God to praise His name together, but also to encourage one another across the aisle. We're reminded in this journey that uh, we're not alone in this thing. We've got each other to lean on as we journey uh, through this life. We also want to say a welcome to our guests that are here today. Thanks for joining us. It's our pleasure to uh, have you here and, and you be a part of Cross Point this morning. And our hope, of course, is if you're looking for a church home today, you could say you found it. We'd love for you to be a part of our family here at Cross Point. We're all broken people who've decided to surrender ourselves to God and who want to do everything within our power to share that story of hope to all those around us. And so we invite you to be a part of that story with us here as God creates that story in the world in which we live. This morning we're going to be in Acts chapter 20, and so I hope you've got your Bibles and will turn with me there. There are going to be a couple of moments I want you to circle something or highlight something, and so it's always good to have your own Bible with you so you can make those notes in the margins and uh, be reminded at times of moments when we talk about things. We are in the third week of a leadership series, Christian leadership. What, what does it mean to be a Christian leader in the world in which we live? I mean, after all, we, we call this series Upside Down because it does look different than what the world offers. Uh, everybody's out for number one in the world. They want to be at the very top of the, of the pile, at the top of the ladder, so to speak. But in Jesus' community, it's not like that. We, we talked about that two weeks ago, about Jesus' life and his example, and what that really should look like uh, in our life. How do we be Jesus and follow his example when it comes to leadership? And we're talking about with our families, uh, in our workplaces, in our neighborhoods, certainly in the context of church as well. Last week, we looked at Paul's writing in uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 12, and we acknowledge that everybody has a gift set. The Bible tells us that everyone is gifted some way by the Holy Spirit. Leadership is simply one of those gift sets that we all uh, possess. And all of us together create the body of Christ. There is not one person that is not needed to make the body of Christ function properly and exactly how God wants it to be. Paul mentioned uh, that in the process of his letter to the Corinthians, and we're going to take a look today uh, at some of those things that come into play as we narrow our focus today toward looking at leadership within the church. Uh, we want to talk about how God's called leadership teams to be a part of the church context and what those leadership uh, groups should look like, what those men and women in the context should look like. Because after all, last week we talked about in those early communities that uh, the you know, apostles founded in the church that Jesus founded, that really function preceded the position in church. And so while some people have titles right now in our congregations all over the world, uh, the truth is people looked like Jesus early on, and that's why they bubbled to the top as leaders. They didn't start out as having a title, but they simply looked like Jesus and how they were living life. That sacrificial living, the idea that you're called to be selfless in your life. And when those men and women did that in those early churches, they naturally bubbled to the top as leaders because they did look like Jesus. And so we want to kind of emphasize that and move forward in this talk and discussion about leadership uh, and how Paul really admonishes church leadership and how they're to lead their own life in the context of church. 
In the text we're going to look at this morning out of Acts chapter 20, Acts is written by the uh, physician or the Dr. Luke, and he travels with Paul on many of his journeys. We're going to find out if you were to read earlier in the text that we're going to be in that there's probably at least eight or nine different men that are with Paul as he travels around establishing different churches in different towns. One of the churches that he established was in the town of Ephesus. We're going to find in our text that the group comes together in a little town called Miletus on the coast uh, of present-day Turkey. There's about 60 miles in between both of those towns, Ephesus and Miletus, and Paul calls uh, those elders at the church in Ephesus to come down because he's got some parting thoughts for those men who are leading that church. Paul realizes this is the the last hurrah. This is the last moment, according to the Holy Spirit, that I'm really going to get to see you. And so I want to leave some important things in your hands and minds as I uh, move forward in my own ministry. There are three different words that Paul uses in his discussion with these shepherds from Ephesus, and I want to really focus on those ideas this morning in the limited time that we have together. But certainly one of those words is he calls them elders, and that simply means older men. It's, it's guys who have been in the world a little while, who've been around the block a couple of times, who, who know how to raise a family, who know how to treat their spouse, who know how to be a leader in the, in the community in which they live, in the marketplace, and uh, certainly who are, uh, have some wisdom in teaching and understand how Christ has called them to live in their own life, and so they are leaders within the church context as well. He also calls them shepherds, and that idea of being a shepherd for leaders in God's kingdom runs cover to cover in the Bible. We're going to take a look at some Old Testament and New Testament texts that really address this idea of shepherding people and families. And finally, the, uh, the word he uses that's translated bishop can also be translated as, uh, as an overseer, someone who is just kind of watching and making sure all the, the parts are working together peacefully and in harmony the way God called us uh, to live together as a church. And so uh, let's begin reading in Acts chapter 20, beginning in verse 17. I'll be reading from the New Living Translation, and the text will also be on the screen. But when we landed at Miletus, Paul sent a message to the elders at the church at Ephesus, asking them to come and meet him. And when they arrived, he declared, You know that from the day I set foot in the province of Asia until now, I have done the Lord's work humbly and with many tears. I have endured the trials that came to me from the plots of the Jews. I never shrank from telling you what you needed to hear, either publicly or in your homes. I have had one message for Jews and Greeks alike. This is a moment, if you've got your Bible, you want to circle, highlight, asterisk the next text. Paul says this is the message, the necessity of repenting from sin and turning to God and having faith in our Lord Jesus. And now I am bound by the Spirit to go to Jerusalem. I don't know what awaits me except that the Holy Spirit tells me in city after city that jail and suffering lie ahead. But my life is worth Nothing to me unless I use it for finishing the work assigned me by the Lord Jesus. Again, you want to circle this next part because it applies to all of us as well. What is the work? The work of telling others the good news about the wonderful grace of God. And now I know that none of you to whom I have preached the kingdom uh, I'll ever see, will ever see me again. I declare today that I have been faithful. If anyone suffers eternal death, it's not my fault, for I didn't shrink from declaring all that God wants you to know. So, 
guard yourselves and God's people, feed and shepherd God's flock, his church purchased with his own blood, over which the Holy Spirit has appointed you as elders. I know that false teachers like vicious wolves will come in among you after I leave, not sparing the flock. Even some men from your own group will rise up and distort the truth in order to draw a following. So watch out. Remember the three years I was with you, my constant watch and care over you night and day, and my many tears for you. And now I entrust you to God and the message of his grace that is able to build you up and give you an inheritance with all those he has set apart for himself. I have never coveted anyone's silver or gold or fine clothes. You know that these hands of mine have worked to supply my own needs and even the needs of those who were with me. And I have been a constant example of how you can help those in need by working hard. You should remember the words of the Lord Jesus. It is more blessed to give than to receive. In this context, Paul talks to these elders in a church, these leaders of a congregation, and he admonishes them in several different ways to be steadfast in their giftedness, that is, leadership within the church. Uh, He can't be with them, and so he's asked them to come down and see him in Miletus before he leaves to go back to Jerusalem to take a, a gift offering to those churches in Jerusalem that exist, those house churches. One of the words that he uses in his uh, discussion with them is the word elder. And again, it's simply translated older men. It just means, again, guys who are wise, who, who know how to live life, who really know how to live like God's called them to live in the context of Jesus uh, and his shadow on the cross. It's this idea that, that we need to be about imparting that information to the younger generations below us. And this idea about being, uh, having an organized group of older men, elders within a, a, a setting is not old news. It's actually been around forever. It's not new news. It's been around forever. Uh, it's a common feature in the ancient world all over in different villages and townships that groups of older men, elders, town elders, would help guide that group of people who lived in the area. And certainly in the Jewish community, it was something that they participated in too uh, as the the nation of Israel. You can look in Acts chapter 4 or Exodus chapter 19 and see that idea come to the top. Leadership by a council of elders is also very common in the world in which we live today. You can go to some of the third world countries and some of the smaller villages and smaller towns and realize that there are a group of older men, a group of elders that kind of help direct the families that live in that area or that town or that village. The early Christian communities naturally would have adopted this type of leadership within their congregation. Why is that? Because early on, These first churches were primarily made up of Jews. Of course, Paul's mission is to share the gospel with the Greek-speaking group as well. And so they interact one with another to create these groups of older men who kind of help guide the families who make a decision to follow Jesus Christ. Uh, Acts chapter 14, Paul says that he established uh, elders in every church where he established the church in those towns. Uh, And so we see it to be a very common thing among churches to have this type of uh, important wisdom-bound leadership within the context of church. But before Paul describes the roles and duties of a shepherd, which he does in verses 20 through 27, he wants to recall with these men that have come to see him of his three-year work with them in Ephesus. 
He wants to remind them and reminisce about all the teaching that they've had, all the interaction, the memories that they share one with another, because again, he won't, he won't see them again. He wants to make sure that they understand how important their role is as shepherds. And so Paul goes on to describe himself and how he carried himself trying to imitate Christ while he was among them. He says, I've been a model for how you really should be leaders within the church. Be sacrificial in who you are. Be, be selfless in who you are. Reach out and help other people. Make sure that other people are more important than you. He says, I, I served in, in that church with you humbly and with many tears because it was an emotional bond. It was a relationship they had built one with another. And they journeyed together as they established this church in Ephesus. Paul gave uh, extensive instruction to the shepherds as well while he was there for those three years. And he wants uh, them to recall the teaching that they had on what the church and members of that church really should look like. And again, it goes back to our very first lesson that each and every one of us are called to imitate Jesus Christ in our life. It's not about being at the top. It's actually being at the bottom. It's saying, I want to serve all those around me. And he's calling those shepherds to remember that. And so out of Paul's dialogue with them concerning this idea of being an elder in the church, we can kind of gather two things that Paul reveals from this particular text. One of those things is that uh, a shepherd should be someone who can model personal self-sacrifice for the faith. In other words, a leader in a church has already got to be looking like Jesus Christ. And we talked about this last week and the week before. A leader isn't someone that just has a title and gets to be boss and kind of tell people what to do. You're at the top of the heap. No, because there is no heap within the body of Christ. We are all the same in Christ. Paul says that over and over. We see that in uh, the life of Christ as well. But someone who can actually model that self-sacrifice who looks like Jesus Christ in their life. A second thing is a shepherd should also be one that has a good understanding of what the Christian faith is all about and be able to talk about that, to teach that to those that are coming into faith with Jesus Christ for the first time. He needs to be able to express what the empty cross and the empty grave mean, what, what the blood of Christ means, what baptism symbolizes, how we're to live this selfless life. A shepherd should be someone who can model that lifestyle but also teach it to other people around. And then Paul moves to verses 28 through 31, where he begins talking about this shepherding image. What what does that look like? Now, for us, as we think about shepherds and flocks of sheep, that might be kind of a distant idea for most of us in this room. Maybe some of you grew up on a farm or you've been around sheep and you kind of know what that looks like. But for most of us, it would be, it's kind of a challenge to think about what that looks like. For Paul and his audience, it's It's right there in front of them. They can clearly see what a shepherd does, how he protects the flock, how he takes them where they need to eat and drink and so forth. It's a very real visual for them. And so Paul says, you need to keep watch over yourself first. In other words, don't think that because you're a leader in the church, that doesn't mean you can't fall. Satan is going to do everything he possibly can to bring you down. And so make sure that you live lives that are full of integrity and character that each and every day you're living life out just like Christ would in his own life. And not only that, but then keep watch over the flock, the families that are part of your congregation, wherever it might be. You, you need to make sure that we're all kind of living that life, if you will, that we care relationally for those around us. 
Paul's personal example really says this, that only those who show sacrifice and commitment should be leaders in the church. And so those men and women in our flock who have uh, that, that kind of resemblance in their own life or ministry leaders or shepherds in our church or on staff, th- those are the moments when people really show what they're uh, called to do and how they're gifted by the Holy Spirit. And Paul says, make sure that in your own life, that you're willing to be committed to the church that Jesus died for and that you're willing to make some personal sacrifices for the families that are a part of that congregation. Um, it is a, this idea of shepherding is kind of a primary word around churches all over the world. And it can be translated as pastor, which is a common word that most of us hear in the context of church. Uh, the root for the word pastor, though, means to tend, to keep, to guard, protect, and feed. It's this idea that you are bound as a leader to really watch out and protect those who are kind of in your fold, who are part of that congregation. For Paul and these elders in Ephesus, it would have been the house church or churches that would have existed in Ephesus. Uh, For us here at Cross Point, it's all the families that make a decision to be disciples and be found here at the family uh, at Cross Point. But then in verse 28, Paul says, look, be shepherds of the flock. And so he calls that imagery to their mind about what that means. And that includes feeding the flock and moving the flock in a certain direction. And so for those that are gifted with leadership, it is really about making sure that we are a discipled group of people, that we are learning what it means each and every day to be the people God's called us to be, to to really disciple us to be more like Christ each and every day. But Paul then says in verse 29, the very next verse, he says, but be careful because there will be people that come into your flock, into your church, who have different ideas about what the church maybe should look like. And he uh, uses a metaphor of a vicious wolf. And he says, there are going to be people that come in that try to uh, distract you or, or make you do something different that's really not in line with what Jesus has called you to do and to be. Uh, He also says, be careful because some of these wolves may come from your own leadership group. And so Paul really basically says, listen, we're not going to micromanage anything here, but we just all, I use the the term around uh, Dallas when I'm driving, have your head on a swivel, right? Because you never know who's coming on the ramp and all that kind of good stuff. And Paul is basically calling these leaders to also do that as they watch and guide the flock that they are gifted with. This emphasis, though, on shepherding, as I've said early on, goes really cover to cover in the Bible. There is a prophet by the name of Ezekiel, who uh, in verse uh, chapter 34, we'll read that in just a moment, but uh, he writes in an interesting time of Judah's life. They have been taken into exile by the the Babylonians. Uh, They decided to disobey God, and so God wanted to discipline them, and God allowed the Babylonians to come over and take uh, many of the inhabitants of Judah and Israel into captivity as slaves. They ransacked the temple. They uh, burned down uh, Jerusalem. We know that in later years, in a few years, uh, Nehemiah is going to come back and rebuild the wall of Jerusalem. But uh, about halfway through their slavery time, which is about 70 years away from Judah, uh, the prophet Ezekiel has these visions from God. And he begins writing them down in the book that we now have. And Ezekiel has some interesting things to say about God. God says, I want my people to know that I haven't forgot about them, that I am indeed their shepherd, that I want them to have the very best in life. And so he has his prophet write down in chapter 34, beginning in verse 13, this text, beautifully written. 
God says, I will bring them back home to their own land of Israel from among the peoples and nations. I will feed them on the mountains of Israel and by the rivers and in all the places where people live. Yes, I will give them good pasture land on the high hills of Israel. There they will lie down in pleasant places and feed in the lush pastures of the hills. I myself will tend my sheep and give them a place to lie down in peace, says the sovereign Lord. I will search for my lost ones who strayed away and I will bring home safely, uh, bring them home safely again. I will bandage the injured and strengthen the weak. What a beautiful text where God reminds us all that he is our shepherd, that he truly wants the very best for us. He wants to, to nourish us and feed us and water us and protect us from the world. And so he calls us to follow him in that regard. That text, by the way, was written about 570 BC, so 570 years before Jesus Christ came to this earth. We also know a very popular text, Psalm 23, that David writes about God himself, where he says, the Lord is my shepherd. I'll not want for anything. God is going to help me get to greener pastures, to to walk by those cool, still waters. And we're reminded again of this image that God is indeed our shepherd. But then we have 570 years after Ezekiel's writing that God in the flesh shows up in the form of Jesus Christ. And in John chapter 10, Jesus himself reminds us all that he is the good shepherd, that we're to pattern our life after him. Beginning of verse 7, Jesus says, I tell you the truth, I am the gate for the sheep. All who came before me were thieves and robbers, but the true sheep did not listen to them. Yes, I am the gate. Those who come in through me will be saved. They will come and go freely and will find good pastures. The thief's purpose is to steal and kill and destroy, but my purpose is to give them a rich and satisfying life. I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd sacrifices his life for his sheep. And it's really a call to reflect on our lives, how we kind of look at the life of Christ, and how do we measure that? Are we leading in that regard with our families and our workplace, Uh, certainly within the context of the church? How do our shepherds lead in that context? Because they're called to imitate this shepherding concept that Jesus portrays in chapter 10 of John. You and I have had people like that in our lives, people that have mentored us and journeyed with us, who put their arm around us and and walked with us even in those very difficult times in life. I remember one of the first people to do that in ministry some 24 years ago, uh, my predecessor here, Larry Kern. When I started ministry, didn't know a whole lot about uh, how to work with a church. And he put his arm around me and he taught me how to love people. He taught me how to listen. He taught me how to interact and just try to be the shepherd that Jesus Christ was. I've had uh, shepherds and elders along the way who've done the very same thing with me, who've journeyed with me. Uh, And there have been moments where I have confessed sin and with both of us in tears, the very next second wrapped his arms around me and whispered in my ear, I love you. There's nothing you can do or say that would drive me away from you. I'm journeying with you. And you've had those type of experiences too with men and women in your life who exemplify everything that a shepherd should be and is called to be. But the last thing that Paul talks about in regards to shepherding, he describes church leaders as overseers. Uh, And this particular word is translated out of the Greek. It could be translated bishop, 
and it could be translated overseer either way. It depends on the context. Uh, but certainly in lots of uh, biblical writing and extra-canonical writing, uh, what, that, uh, what we see is that particular word is used also in the secular world as a, a foreman, if you will. Let's imagine a vineyard where lots of people are doing different jobs uh, harvesting the grapes and there is an overseer who's there on site just making sure that everything dovetails well together, that everybody is using their gift set the way it's supposed to be used and they're getting the most out of what's happening there. It's not a micromanager, it's not somebody who's cracking the whip, it's not someone who's mean-spirited, it's just someone in a leadership position who's making sure that everything is coming together just as it should. And Paul reminds uh, men in the church, as they are leaders, they're also called to be uh, that supervisor type position where they're just making sure everyone is, is living in peace, that we're all using our gift sets as God has gifted us in great and powerful ways. And so the text really gives us the idea that there is an authoritative role with shepherding as well. In other words, in any given context, when that group of men come together and they're led by the Holy Spirit and they make a decision to move in a direction, we can feel confident that uh, we as the church should follow that leading, that their wisdom that's been placed on them by the Holy Spirit is true and in the right direction. I want to say here uh, this morning that we've got 13 men that shepherd this congregation. They do a phenomenal job of meeting the needs of all the families that attend here. Last week, we came real close to to hitting the number 600 on a Sunday morning. Uh, That's a lot of people for 13 men uh, to to realize what they're going through in life and coming alongside you in that regard. But in all of my years of ministry and then beyond, uh, seeing how my dad worked at churches as a preacher and how those environments work together, I'm going to say without hesitation, best group of men here at Crosspoint that I've ever worked with. These men truly have your hearts at their heart. Uh, Every Tuesday night, right behind this wall is a conference room, and the shepherds are in that room uh, praying to God on behalf of you. They lift you up by name in prayer. If you're having trouble uh, with uh, health or maybe there's an issue going on with a relationship, uh, whether it's a birth or a death, whatever might be happening in your life, if they know about it, they're lifting that up to God. They're an incredible uh, group of men to work with who truly have that servant heart uh, that uh, they're gifted with through the Holy Spirit. Verses 33 and 35 through 35, Paul again describes the education that he gave those shepherds, those elders from Ephesus. He wants to remind them, remember, I tried to imitate Jesus Christ in my life, and you're called to do the same thing. And so you need to reach out into the church and the community in which you live uh, to, to really help the weak, to teach others about the gospel, uh, to, to witness and counsel those around you to heal those who need the healing who are in your midst. Paul reminds them that we're all called, not just the shepherds, but all of us are called to imitate Christ in different ways. Uh, As we close out our time together this morning, there are some challenges that exist for our current church model just in America and across the world. Uh, Paul is, is talking about a house church. And in a house church, it's a fairly small group of people, and so you kind of know when there's conflict, you kind of know when there's uh, illness going on, or when there's been a death in the family, or when someone might need some financial help. And so you can kind of get around and visit everyone in that context fairly easily. But again, think about we've got 13 men and some 600 people here at Crosspoint, 
Uh, and in, on any given day, any number of the families that exist here are having some kind of issue, somebody, something that they need help with. And so uh, it's up to me and you to let these guys know if there's some help that can be offered, to let them know when there's difficulty in your life. That's why at the end of every message on a Sunday, our shepherds gather around the wall of this room. And during the singing of that song, I invite you to go to them and have prayer Get a blessing from them. Tell them what's going on in your life so they can be in prayer about that or possibly help uh, in some way. But you and I, in this big group of people, we've got to be intentional if there are things going on in our life that we need the shepherds uh, to know about. They also are kind of convicted in this mentoring and teaching model as well. Traditionally, in churches, there are Bible classes on a Sunday morning, and certainly that's the way we were prior to 2012. Uh, But we've got to think about, in our context, for our culture, what works best. Uh, We have a system called our Connect Group System, which is our small group system, and that is our teaching model here at Crosspoint. Our goal is that at least 75% of our, our population here would be involved in a Connect Group. There are 17 that are offered. Uh, and we want you to be involved in that process. That's a learning moment for you. So kind of think about traditionally what we've offered and what we offer now and what might work best in our current situation. We might offer, let's, I'm just going to say a number, on a Sunday morning at 9 o'clock, uh, we offer Bible class at the church building. Let's pretend that we do that for a moment. And so we offer it one time on one day at this time. If you can get here, great, we want you here. If you can't get here, that's the only time we we'll really have to offer But our current scenario, our current model is we have 17 different teaching moments uh, between Sunday and Thursday, and you pick which one of those work best for your schedule. That is really encouraging to me that we're not just kind of limiting the opportunity or the window for teaching and learning. And all of our shepherds are involved in our Connect Group system. They're either teaching, they're leading in some way, they're hosting, but every single one of them are in a Connect Group. And so they want you to also be in those Connect Groups so they can hear about your personal life and how to help you journey in this life. Uh, Caring for the weak and the sick are also one of those responsibilities given to church leaders. We have a great ministry here called Senior Care Ministry, and uh, two of our shepherds, the Walkers and the Allens, kind of head that ministry up. Uh, For the most part, they reach out to those members of Crosspoint who are in the hospital, who are sick, who might not can get out of the house. Maybe they haven't uh, had a chance to get to Crosspoint on a given Sunday just because they can't get out of the house. This particular group, commissioned by the shepherds, they reach, they make hundreds of contacts every month to those folks. So they're sending cards, they're sending uh, phone calls, or they're calling on the phone, they're going by and visiting uh, those folks. And so an incredible outreach that happens there with our senior care ministry. Finally, it's the idea of how do we, how do we fix false teaching? What if there is a rumor mill going on? What if there's conflict within the body? Well, in Paul's context, it'd be pretty quick to figure out where that's happening and who's talking about who or, or where that teaching is coming from. In, in a body of 600 people, sometimes it takes a little bit for that information to filter down to our leadership team. Uh, and I want to encourage us as a body of believers to remember we're called to live peacefully with one another. Jesus actually says in Matthew chapter 18, if you have a problem with another member of the body, you need to go talk to the member of the body. So many times we just sit and let things fester. We let that, that false teaching or that gossip fester. Uh, and it, 
it gains momentum over time, and then pretty soon, maybe a leadership team member, a, a shepherd might hear about it and try to intervene, but there's already some bad vibes going on in the scenario. So remember, Christ calls us to work that stuff out, starting with a one-on-one, and then a friend to the one, and eventually calling the shepherds into play if that is absolutely necessary. I want to say this morning, I, I want to call you as a church to be in prayer for our shepherding group, the 13 men that lead this congregation. It is a heavy burden. I won't lie to you. They have a lot to think about. There is a lot going on in all the families that are represented here. But they welcome that. They, they desire that. They know that that is their gift set to lead, and the Holy Spirit's placed that upon them to be in your lives, and they want to be. But be in prayer that they would be... Um, have the Holy Spirit in their life, that they would be wise in their decision-making, that they would see the direction that the Spirit wants them to go with this congregation, and that they would move fearlessly toward whatever the Holy Spirit is leading them toward and for. So be in prayer about our shepherds. I'm going to pray here in just a moment before we offer the next song, because I want us as a church to be in unison on this, to realize how much these men have on their shoulders and how much we need to honor them for all they do for the families in this congregation. I'm going to invite Brad and the praise team back to the stage at this time, uh, and they're going to lead a song in just a moment. And during the singing of that song, as I've already said, the shepherds and their wives will be gathered along the wall of this room. And I want to encourage you to go talk to them, to ask for prayer from them, to get a blessing from them. Let them lay their hands on you and bless you as you go out into this week. Even if you feel like everything is going great in your life, go to them and gain that prayer anyway. It will not hurt in any regard. It'll bless you more than anything else. And so as we, uh, we get ready to move into this next song, as we reflect on leadership and Christian leadership, what that should look like, let's go to God in prayer as we close out our time together. Father, this morning we come to you acknowledging that you are the God of the universe. There is no doubt that you are the God, the one and only God. No one compares to you at all. You're creator of all things, and you pursue us constantly, your creation, so that you can be in relationship with us. And although that pursuit is there, God, there are moments in our own life where we don't reflect that relationship with you, and we ask for your forgiveness. But God, this morning we beseech you, we ask you to be with the leadership of this congregation, whether they are ministry leaders, whether they are Bible teachers, whether they are shepherds or staff, God, whoever they might be in a lead, in a lead uh, leadership position, we pray, God, that your Holy Spirit would come upon them, that, God, you would uh, bless them with energy, that you would give them the ability to, to reason wisely in how you've called us to live in this world, that, God, you would give uh, us all the ability to counsel one another and journey with one another, that we would come to one another with open arms. Thank you, God, for those that have the gift of leadership, and we pray, God, that you would be with our 13 shepherds here that each and every day consider how they might better the families that attend here at Crosspoint. Thank you, God, for Jesus Christ, his sacrifice, and it's in his name that we offer this prayer. Amen. Let's stand together.